gonna hold it against you. Yeah, it's really fucking hot, eh? Mmm. I wonder why that could be. It's really hot in the continent I'm in. Yes. So, are you recording? I'm. I've been recording for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Fantastic. So, it's gonna be so, a, an undies pod. <laughs> Get your kit oh, off. You're, you're going. You're going undies. I'm going commando. Uh, are you I've actually? Got, yeah, I've got like mega shorts. Uh, like really big, airy, loose-fitting shorts. That's not going wearing. commando. No, that's what going commando is. No, going commando means get all your kit off. No, it doesn't. Going yes, commando, it does. No, it does not. Going yes, commando means wearing no underpants, but wearing stuff over the top of it. Oh, maybe. Okay, that, that would it, make sense. Going commando is like where you wear trousers or pants or whatever, but not underwear. Because you've run out of underwear primarily. Basically, I'm guessing, yeah. yeah. You, you've, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've... You, you've murdered <laughs> all of these people and they've all soiled their pants. So you can't salvage <laughs> them from the field, from the villages yeah. that you've been massacring. Yeah, um, exactly. So thus, you go, you've run out you of underwear. Go, you go commando and just, you know. So you can continue to murder. Underwear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's Fantastic. the American way. And the British way. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the colonial way. There you go. That's appropriate. Okay, hang on. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a drop for the pod. So if you just stay silent for a second, I want you to isolate this audio, because this is this is going to be the mood for the episode. Ah, there you go. That sounds good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. I'll I'll edit that in. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Makes a note to not bother doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a notepad near me, so. I'll oh definitely... wow. You Fucking professional. No. Here we go. Here it is. Um. Open you know up a .txt file. Always. Yeah. No, I've got some uh, post-it notes. Oh, classy. And, um. Uh. Is it? You got a can. Yeah, I got a can. Uh, open. If I was just in Royland, I could muster a burp, but I can't, so... Morty. <laughs> Morty. I could add Morty, that as we, well. We gotta... We gotta... We gotta, we gotta we end gotta, the world, Morty. We gotta prep, Morty. We gotta build an underground bunker, Morty. Why does your, why does your Rick sound like Jordan Peterson? We gotta build an underground bunker to avoid the, the chaos dragon of the women. They are coming for your spleens. Oh my god. So, or rather, this would be Jordan Peterson right now. <laughs> I can't breathe. Oh, fucking hell. Thank you. So, listeners, if you can't tell, it's the episode that we've not wanted to do because it's just really fucking depressing. But it's depressing in a constructive and fun way, in in the way that the slavery episode was not. No, uh, this is this is. I, I described this to a friend of mine uh, a couple of days ago. It was like um, uh, knowing anything about like climate change and environmental stuff is like, especially over the, the last ten years, 
has been like being a rabbit staring in the headlights but for 10 years <laughs> like it's it's Why that not? like your life flashes before your eyes but forever like it doesn't stop <laughs> why aren't we doing anything why aren't yeah. we doing anything we're why aren't we just doing rocking anything? backwards and forwards in a fetal position going we're still we're still fucked oh <laughs> um so i do have some notes for this episode uh most of them are out of date now because they were made like three weeks ago and the what? thing about the thing about uh you know rising temperatures uh over the summer is surprisingly you know that, that all of all of your data on ice extent just it becomes meaningless because it's now like three weeks old but we're gonna go through it anyway um just so, imagine much worse there you yeah, go <laughs> yeah yeah so imagine these figures but worse because that's that's what it is uh, but before we get to those figures i wanted to ask you a question mjc shoot um, so so what do you know about uh climate change targets um i know that um the recent uh targets we have for what 2030 uh, as agreed by the paris uh paris accords um uh, a majority of the signatories i can imagine are not going to meet those targets um well it's it's you know what? I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that. Um, so I'm just going to copy this link that I've got in an open tab. And oh, gonna, how convenient. I'm going to send it to you in Discord. Um, and I don't want you to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. I just want you to scroll down to where the map is. Oh, uh, no. Without the key. Without the key. Just look at the map. You know how uh, much I love visuals. Damn you. Oh, yes. Yeah. This highly visual medium that is podcasts. Um, huh. Yeah. So it's a... So you, you know, you see a lot of countries there in, in various colours. Um, so there's something like a, like a brownie kind of colour and something in a grey colour. Okay, um, first I'm, of all, I'm not... okay, can I preface, I am colourblind, so this means literally nothing to me. Really? Yeah, to me, oh, the Oh, we had grey... this conversation before, yeah. Yeah, the critically insufficient countries look green, which is very deceiving. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I mean, green is green is good. Green is, green is what you want, right? Yeah. Um yeah, so long story short, it's a map, and it's a map of all of the countries that are um, not necessarily signatories to the Paris Climate Agreement, but all of the countries uh, who are who can be monitored relatively easily, uh, and it grades them from critically insufficient to role model. Um, I just looked at the role model. Two. Yeah, two. Two whole role models. Bhutan, in the world. a literal country built around hydroelectric power <laughs> and what is that is that equatorial guinea hang on let me let me have a look at that real quick <laughs> oh fucking hell oh my god well that says enough as it is yeah oh, oh gabon yeah the classic gabon <laughs> there you go Jesus. so 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 let's talk about the paris climate agreement uh, let me just take a drink first because i'm gonna fucking need it for this Okay, the Paris Climate Agreement is well named because it was an agreement that happened in Paris. Right, there's there's a start. Um, not legally binding though. Uh, it's just a it's mere just, suggestion. Yeah, it's just like all these countries came together and said, "Yeah, we really need to do something about about this." Uh, no sanctioning or anything. Yeah, which which is good because it follows in a long line of of the exact same thing. Uh, where's my fucking list? I had a list somewhere of all the different ones. Uh, where was it? 
Oh yeah, okay. So it, it follows the Paris Agreement follows a long line of uh, of things where we talk about as a planet, you know, maybe we should do. Uh, so you have the Kyoto Protocol and then the Montreal Protocol. Excuse me, I, and must, then co- the... I must correct your pronunciation. Okay, Kyoto. Very close, actually. Yeah, you're pretty much on Kyoto. You have to add that little. You have to add that little extension in there. Okay, Kyoto. Uh, the Kyoto Protocol. Very nice. The Montreal Protocol, Copenhagen Accord, the Cancun Agreements. I don't know if I've pronounced Cancun properly, actually. No, yeah, well, that doesn't matter. That's, that's not <laughs> superior. You, that's not superior Japanese pronunciation. Yeah. So it and doesn't then, matter. And then, and then uh, the Paris Agreement. So the the, the two earlier um, protocols had some good things come out of them. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're not necessarily bad. Uh, and and the others aren't too bad either, but but they all have a, a similar thing about them, which is like we're going to defer the problem until later, but we are going to put some measures in place. Kick that uh, can. Yeah, the Paris Agreement though is uh, like okay, all these countries come together uh, and said right, so uh, climate change is a, is a is a is a bad thing, and we don't we don't want to do the bad thing, so we're gonna take all of the science, and then we're gonna put it on a pedestal for like oh, two weeks, I think the agreement went on for. I can't fucking remember. It's 2015. We're going to put it on a pedestal and then we're going to all stare at it intently for that time period and then ignore it. Um, <laughs> because, because yeah, so, so, okay. What do you know about um, the two degree limit? Like uh, how much do you know about the two degree? Um, I know that um, even with the two degree limit, um, it will have drastic consequences for um, the ecology of the planet. Yeah, and, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, uh, will so it two... avoid a feedback loop of like continual ice melting or? Fun fact: we don't know. Ah, it's yeah. a gamble. Yeah, it's it's a big old fucking gamble. But the two degree target was chosen uh, way back when, um, not really as a target, but like. At more as a cursory limit so we, we were sort of looking at all these climate models going oh wow you know the the, the way we're looking at these models the climate could warm quite a lot above the uh the pre-industrial average so the idea was that we pick a target to sort of say well we don't really want it to go above that point because above that point is the danger zone um so you know let's let's not do that and two degrees was picked um there's been a lot of criticisms of the two degree pick partly because it like it's uh, i'm trying to think of the best way to like come up with an analogy for it like um so from naught degrees to 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 10 degrees above warming um which is just an absurd amount but like that's that's the difference between like someone stabbing you and then someone shooting you like neither mm. of them are good and there's always going to be harm along the way mm. so like picking one in the middle isn't really going to help um, right yeah. So, so, so in 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 context or in relation to this, um, the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, who do a lot of research because uh, they're made of like multiple different working groups and internal bodies and things like that. Uh, they did they did another report a few years ago uh, called the the I think it was like the one point five degree special report or something like that it was called, um, which basically said yeah okay um, two degrees is 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 bad um we don't want to get to that point ideally like in an ideal world if we can maybe get to 1.5 that would be better because 
that's already going to take an enormous amount of like social economic and political change in order to achieve and it would also mean the planet's less fucked so so we'll try and go for 1.5 so out of that the the paris agreement uh aimed for quote well below two degrees celsius and where possible in line with the 1.5 but this was just a broad agreement um where countries said yes this is this is bad uh and the link that I sent you earlier mm-hmm. tracks all of the progress in relation to that agreement. And as you can see, pretty much every fucking country... Um, that has signed the Paris Accord. The, yeah, has, is just like not doing a good job. Um, so there's a little thermometer at the bottom, towards the bottom of the screen. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Which lists... So you've got pledges and targets, the oh, track record... Good. The, the, the track that we're on, the pledges and targets made currently under the Paris Agreement, just That's the pledges, nothing. not the actual policies, yeah. is plus 2.8, which is quite a bit above 2. For context, we're already at 0.9. We've not got much left, much fucking time left, all right? Oh, my um, fucking God. Und- under current global policies, it's anywhere between 2.3 and 4.1. Um, so, so let's paint a picture of, of, uh, what three degrees of warming would do. Okay. (laughs) Because this has been my last six years of education. Yes, please do. All right. Sorry. I took another drink. (laughs) So, all right. Three degrees warming. Um, we can expect to see, um, not necessarily more hurricanes, but certainly much more damaging ones. And this is borne out by recent trends in the fact that the number of hurricanes and tropical storms happening throughout the, the summer season around the equator um, has not really changed that much. Like the number is still fairly consistent across the globe, uh, but the severity of them has increased quite a lot. Uh, a lot of them are now Category 5, whereas the likelihood of Category 5s 50, 60 years ago was a fair bit lower. Um how much is a bit lower? Uh, I don't know if I actually have the oh, okay. f- the specific thing. I I made these notes on the fly. That's uh, all right. No worries. Where's the thing? Uh, yeah, no, I don't have like the exact percentage or anything. But um, I do recall that the percentage was recorded in the paper that I was reading. But yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, tropical storms. Um, not necessarily more likely to happen, but uh, they're worse now, which is which is good. Uh, um, so let's 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 take it all the way back to pre-GCSE science class, shall we? Um, what happens in the water cycle when when you apply heat to a body of water? Oh, um, it gets really bubbly, and then eventually, um, that water turns into water vapor. It's called evaporation, isn't it? Yeah, correct. Well done. Thank Gold you. Gold star for you. This is how uh, I got my A star. Yeah, you spoke like that as well in yeah. the exam, which yeah. was amazing. I put um, in it. Yeah. I wrote it in several it. times because <laughs> I'm a man of the people. Okay, right. Is it so, not? Fuck that. So, so what happens is uh, you have you have more um, you have more evaporation, right? Uh, which means there's a lot more cloud cover, and there has been some debate. I think it's fair to say over whether that 
is good. Cloud formation will negatively impact the temperature rise because clouds reflect um, sunlight. Uh, you so see, the, yeah, they're so white. There was, an, there was there was an argument that's like, oh, we don't actually know which way it will go. Like maybe have maybe it will balance itself back out. Maybe this is like a, a natural mechanism to balance out temperature. Nature rise. finds yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. All this, all the data I've seen recently suggests that's probably not the case. Though we don't know for sure, it's probably not the case. Um, so you tend to get an increase in uh, in 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 rainfall, uh, and also what happens is when you um, when you increase the the average surface temperature, and that applies to the ocean as well. When you increase the average temperature. Um, it takes less energy to make rain because the water's already at a certain temperature and now it has to be heated even a little bit less to make the water vapor. That's very so, inconvenient. Um, That's very yeah, convenient, so you, rather. Yeah, yeah. So you get um, you get a much more readily uh, evaporable surface. Uh, good word, evaporable. Uh, so you get a, a much more readily evaporable surface and you get more cloud cover and you get more rain and more rain means more storms. So hooray, hooray for that. So you can expect more storms. In fact, um, going on a massive tangent, uh, about two years ago, I looked at, because I'm a really sad fuck, uh, I looked at the uh, the British Met Office, that's the Meteorological Office. I looked at all of their publicly available uh, data going back to uh, the late 1800s from weather stations. Now, fair's fair, um, the, the instruments they use have changed a bit since then, so there is some margin of error in the earlier data but uh, even so taking data from like as late as the 1930s and 1940s uh, if you look at the trend over the entirety of the uk uh, it shows quite a clear trend for winters becoming milder and wetter and summers becoming longer and drier which you know that hasn't been borne out in any reasonable way no. in the last 10 years no you, know, you haven't seen no that Nothing like that. You don't feel no. that right now? No. In your underwear? No. Your sweat-sodden no, underwear? No. No. Uh, hang on. I had some figures here that I wanted to say because they were really funny. Uh, oh, where are they? Oh, yeah. Here they are. Uh, so, so speaking of... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. This is so depressing. Uh, so, the five hottest years on record. When do you reckon that they occurred? Five hottest years on record? Yes. Um, I'm going to guess. Um, let me think. So, if we're going from... You know what? I don't like surprises, so I'm going to go from number one. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 2018. Right. Tw 20, number two is 2017. Right. Number three is 2016. I'm going to throw mm. a right fucking span in the works now and say uh, 1994. Um, right. Number four is going to be... Oh, fuck, I've really fucked myself with the 1994. Um, 2008, the financial right. crisis. Everyone was really sweating under the collar then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. um, and uh, well, where was I at in the sequential? Uh, 2015 was the fifth. Okay, well, uh, you're wrong. Um, really? What? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it turns out that the five hottest years on record have all occurred within the last five years. Huh. One after the other. So, you, so the easiest answer is, <laughs> was, is the was correct the, answer. Yeah, the easiest answer was 2015 to 2020. Occam's <laughs> there warming. You go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that's great. Um, 
of the 10 hottest years, you would have been a bit closer. The 10 hottest years have all occurred within the last 15 years. Um, there you go. Uh, and also, every decade has been warmer since the pre than the previous one since the 60s. Ooh, every no. single and this is this is global averages as well so the, you know this is not just like one localized region this is oh the entire planet is heating up and we're all cooking to death yeah every decade has been warmer than the previous one since the 60s though the 50s was cooler than the 40s and the high set in the 40s was beaten by the 80s well yeah, so I'm, yeah. i mean like the, the 1940s was filled with just you know recuperating from the war the 50s yeah you had a bit more yeah, exactly you know... so you have a lot of fucking industry going on yeah whereas the yeah. 50s you know everyone's like hey buddy just chill us chill out in the uh in the fifth in the suburbs 50s in the, in the hey suburbs jack and, yeah and, this is really yeah. cool down here let me put some grease in my hair doll yeah it turns out burning crosses on people's lawns doesn't actually contribute that much to climate change yeah if it's, if it's an <laughs> ecological <Jesus>. racism <laughs> fucking hell oh. holy shit Oh my god, I'm getting cancelled for that. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I remember I said I did not say this audience. I made no part in this. Yeah, look, I'm drunk. Okay, <laughs> I, I I have to be for this. It's it's the only way I can get through it. How many are you through um, now? Uh, like three. Oh, okay, that's not bad. Not, not, yeah, I've got a buzz going. That's on. toasty. Not, yeah, I'm not I'm not pissed drunk. Um, yeah, speaking of like uh, recuperation from the war and like mass industry bursting up, uh, what do you think is going to happen post COVID? You know, when all the airlines get massive bailouts again and all the industry starts back up because we desperately need to try and produce more goods to sell to people to keep the fucking economy afloat. Well, I'll ask you this, Spectra: What is the cheapest uh, fuel available right now? Uh, oil. Ah, oh, weird. <laughs> weird that. The the year where we learn nothing at all. <laughs> and nothing of value was gained <laughs> it's a good spin on that meme i like it uh right so uh so currently uh the earth is anywhere between 0.9 and 1.2 degrees hotter than prior to the industrial revolution um 0.9 seems to be the go-to figure uh and uh since 1902 uh hmm. observed sea level rise sits at 16 degrees celsius uh, 16 degrees celsius 16 centimeters uh and is increasing um so that's that's fun 16 centimeters yeah it, since 1902 um, yeah yeah um so one of the other things that people seem to get wrong about sea level rise is that um it all comes from meltwater that's kind of i mean it's partly true but it's it's not the entire truth so when you heat water it expands and we've already mentioned the fact that um you know the ocean is really fucking big and if you heat it up it will expand um simple as that so some of it's down to thermal expansion some of it's down to melt water uh so yeah you know that that's that's why the sea is rising uh and low-lying areas like you know miami for a start uh perpetually having to now like improve and raise their roads because they're just <laughs> disappearing underneath waves i saw al gore walk through that yeah as he yeah. wastes more and more of um more and more co2 because he leaves a deeply unsustainable lifestyle he does yeah. despite being vegan which is just like all shades of angering to me well yeah it's just all aesthetic in it yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's, oh, there's another episode topic: aesthetic veganism. There you go. Oh, lovely. Yeah, 
Uh, oh, shit. Okay, no. I You know that thing I said about hurricanes earlier? I actually did write down the thing. Hang on, here we go. We conclude that since 1975, there has been a substantial and observable, obser observable regional and global increase in the proportion of Category 4 and 5 hurricanes of 25 to 30% per degree Celsius of anthropogenic warming. There you go. You heard it first here, folks. Hurricanes are more likely to happen by about 25% now than they were 60 years ago. So, uh, apart from hurricanes, uh, what else does a world with lots of warming look like? Well, um, wildfires would be a big thing. Uh, you know. I've heard about like this. What? Yeah, not, not like they aren't already. No, but... every single year without fail. Yeah getting worse as well much more consistently yeah yeah the thing the thing that happens in summer when so when you have a warmer world where it rains less in summer and is milder over winter uh is you get less rain in the summer um especially in large continental land masses uh like you know australia or central america or north america or siberia or africa or India, <laughs> Central Asia, you know, the list any is endless, of the big really. ones, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you tend to get a lack of rain, which means that uh, vegetation dries out. Um, and uh, that means that fires start pretty easily because, you know, vegetation is just fuel plus water. So if you remove the water, it's just fuel. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that, that, yeah, that, that can happen. Uh, that can happen more readily. So so we've already had like sea level rise, flooding because of greater storms in the autumn and winter. And I would not be, and I, I'm not one for making predictions, but I would not be surprised if flooding this year in the UK is worse than it has been in all the previous years that we've had it. Uh, because, you know, we're doing a great job with that so far. Um, well, flood defences, well, you just get yeah. more sandbags, don't you? Yeah, just just you know, if a couple of dams collapse because you underfund the agency that you know protects the dams, then you know that's that's just nature's way of of, of uh, removing a village from a map. That's fine. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, so more wildfires, uh, and and all of this combines to affect uh, how we as humans survive because we rely on farming a lot. As it turns out, um, here's a thing, MJC. Um, so, do you know what biomass is? Um, um, uh, I've heard it used a lot. I'm really sorry. I'm I'm quite uh, ignorant on this topic. So, so, so it's 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 the the physical mass of biological material. That that that's it. Oh, it's okay. Just... It's not a clever scientific thing. It is just like no, 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 no. It's it, it's just a a a mass measure of a biological material. Um, a, it, it's frequently used like you can have biomass fuels, which is basically just a way of say burning wood. Uh, among other things so, so that's where i've heard it before yeah yeah so so biomass is a measure of that um and you can then have like subdivisions of biomass so you can have bio biomass of leaf litter you can have biomass of trees you can have biomass of animals um so so on 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 the fact that you know we rely a lot on farming um would you like to guess what the biomass of mammals on earth is uh, as a percentage in wild mammals Oh, okay. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
So this is all mammals, and what's yeah. the percentage of them in mass that's that's wild animals? Okay, the percentage of all mammals on Earth that are wild animals. Okay. Um, yeah. In biomass. Yeah. Um, I am gonna say. Uh, wild. I'm gonna say uh, something mental, like uh, ninety-eight uh, percent. Okay. Um, no, it's four percent. Wait, what? Yeah. So, of all of the mammals on Earth, yeah. as of twenty eighteen, um, livestock uh, makes up sixty percent of all of the biomass of mammals on Earth. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we we we're pretty reliant on uh, on farming and agriculture. As a result. We have cleared huge, huge areas of the world for farming, much of which is now livestock, um, which which requires more area of land because, you know, it lives off of grains and, and plant material, which we also have to grow on farms. So we're just turning over ever larger areas of land to food production when we really don't need to. Uh, yeah, so in terms of mammals, uh, biomass... Uh, 60% of that is, is just livestock. Only 4% is made up by wild animals. Uh, 36% is made up by humans. So, fuck you, tigers. Um, <laughs> we're doing better than you. <laughs> Head uh, and shoulders above you, prick. Yeah, yeah so, uh, so this is, you know, you know we're pretty reliant on, uh, on farming, right? And if there's a lot more drought, um, suddenly, you know, we won't be able to provide all of the food to the animals that we eat or we won't be able to eat the food that we can't grow um so that's bad uh but not only that uh it doesn't stop there because you know that amount of land that we've turned over to farming uh, not to mention other things as well like uh you know mining and city building and infrastructure and roads and transit and you know, airports, all of these other really big things that take up a lot of land. Uh, turns out that, you know, just removing huge swathes of habitat uh, from the surface of the earth is really bad for wildlife. Uh, so um, in the studies of extinction... <laughs> um, yeah. Fucking... The sixth, so in the study, the in the study of extinction... extinction. Is it... In the study, yeah, in the study of extinction, there's a thing called the background rate. So that's like the yeah. the average rate of, of species that die off. Barring no they're... human interference. Yeah. Yeah, because they're kind of shit, like pandas or fucking whatever. Right? Oh, no, but they're fucking, uh, they're in abundance now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. We can replace Go all back. animals we made a mistake. With, with pandas. Yeah. <laughs> so, Everyone can get so, a panda. Um, so yeah, uh, the background extinction rate is uh, the rate at which you know stuff just dies off naturally. Anyway, uh, well, recent studies have suggested that uh, the the current rate of extinction is an order of magnitude greater than the background rate as established by earlier studies. Uh, so it's anywhere between a hundred and a thousand times worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. So we are we are wiping out systematically every species that we come across that isn't a cow, a pig, or a chicken, uh, because we don't want to eat them. Uh, among other reasons, you know, like as I said, mining and development and infrastructure and all that shit. Um, 
So uh, yeah, it turns out that when when you kill off all of these animals, uh, especially insects, which who'd have thunk it? The pollinators would be the heroes of the day that we needed. Uh, yeah, if you wipe out all the insects that pollinate shit, um, we fucking die because like there's there's nothing to pollinate our crops, and then we just die. Um, so things aren't looking too hot. I mean, they are. They're looking very hot, but you know things aren't looking too good for humanity uh right now um of all the things you could have said hot was the one you hot real real poor choice of words uh so as i said that these some of these this is going back a little bit but some of these notes were made um ooh, ooh, uh about three weeks ago three four weeks ago now um keep that in mind audience yeah so uh keep that in mind um so on the 15th of july Arctic sea ice coverage stood at 7.51 million square kilometers, which, for comparison, is about the same size as Australia. It's a little bit smaller. Right. Um, a lot less Australians there, though, thankfully. Yeah, a lot, a lot less. Yeah, none, in fact, I oh, dare say. Amazing. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a paradise. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so this... this Seven point five one million square kilometers was three hundred and thirty thousand square kilometers, um, uh, below the record for July fifteenth, which had previously been set in two thousand eleven. Um, so, for comparison's sake, again, uh, that's roughly the size of Norway. Um, so on July fifteenth this year. Uh, the Arctic was one whole Norway smaller than it had ever been in our recorded history. Um, so that's pretty bad. There's not many Norways you can fit inside of Australia. Yeah, <laughs> there's really not. Especially no. if it expands to, like, say, a Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> then we're really yeah, fucked. Yeah. Um, I should point out that, like, it's it's somewhat leveled off now like because we had this really fucking insanely intense warm period over the arctic where everything was above average temperature for the time of year um it's somewhat leveled off now and it's it's like dipped below the the next highest uh which is 2012 for this time of year um but by like the thinnest hairs on a gnat's bollocks of margin right like like it's, well, it's only saved. just there it's only just there well look i don't know what you're talking about the line's going down this is good um yeah it's like only fucking just uh but you know everyone else including the uh naoo uh or noaa i forget which one it is uh noaa uh suggests that 2020 is going to be the hottest year on record quell surprise please so uh, that's a really appropriate name for your um uh for your institute no ah <laughs> yeah correct good joke <laughs> i liked it thank you um yeah. <laughs> we're all gonna die oh fucking hell um yeah so uh so things things pretty fucked um and it, it continues to get worse because mm. uh, it turns out that globe, when global temperatures rise, um, th it doesn't just rise as an average. There are particular regions that rise faster than other regions. Um, 
any guess as to what the region that's rising the fastest or one of the fastest happens to be? Um, rising the fastest in terms of wait, do you say water level or uh, uh average surface temperature? Surface temperature. Um, Antarctica, an arc. Sorry, the the Arctic Circle. Yeah, the Arctic Circle. Yeah, congratulations. Um, How many? So Arctic Arctic temperatures are estimated to have risen about two degrees since 1850 oh cool it's already Com- happened yeah yeah compared with the one degree globally so so uh yeah this is this is all cool and um long story short um we're we're fucked um and especially so going back to that that link i sent you earlier where it sort of lists what the current trajectories of climate change are um based on the pledges and targets and uh, compared to the current policies that are already in place and comparing all of those to the Paris Agreement. Um, a lot of the... If you go to that map and click on Europe, yeah. uh, it says... EU insufficient, yes. There you go. We're doing it a fantastic says, job. Yeah, the first, the first sentence says... The European Union's Paris Agreement target of at least 40% reduction below 1990 levels by 2030 is rated as insufficient and its policies on track to meet uh, and its policies are already on track to meet this target meaning they didn't do jack shit because they just picked a target they were already going to fucking meet <laughs> Yeah. They're doing less than nothing. They're doing what they were already doing and then saying that they did it. It's the, I made this, you made this meme, but for fucking climate policy. <laughs> oh, and I'm not You made surprised. this, I made this. No. What the fuck, EU? No surprise. And it's not though. just the EU. Basically, every country that's rated as insufficient or worse is just like, oh, yeah, we've made all these pledges. But it turns out that, you know, the way our science and technology was going meant that we were already headed that way anyway. So we just decided to fucking greenwash the shit out of these non-policies and pretend we were doing something. Oh, yeah. London's going to ban all emission vehicles by 2040. Congratulations. Oil's probably going to fucking be gone by 2035 anyway, you cunts. Yeah, you've run out of that. Just make sure you dump all and as much as you can into the atmosphere yeah just you just gotta gotta buy more lithium stocks so that we can coo more countries elon um, um so use the pandemic as justification to continue relaxing environmental regulations allowing polluting industries yep. to emit more greenhouse gases during the crisis and extent exempting them from penalties for violating these rules <sighs> yep I want to see. So uh, you know, I want to see Japan. So, you know what? Japan is so fucking smug with how it deals with the environment. Yeah, it's it's not doing a great job. No, you're not doing a great job there, Chief. <laughs> They're saying it, Chief. Mitigation strategies are extreme. The government's critical uh, current policies are projecting it. It's highly insufficient. Nineteen uh, twenty thirty NDC target, <laughs> an outcome which is quite inconsistent with the Paris Agreement's goals. Coal remains a major so, concern. So, so what have we learned here, um, other than the fact that, you know, climate policy is a thing that happens when uh, countries have a very stern letter written to them saying you have to do something about this. And then they say that they're going to do something about it. 
in which case one or two things happens they'll either be america and just tell you to go fuck yourself because they don't give a shit no they never do or or they'll be like europe and go yeah we're really doing a lot but actually it was what they were doing anyway by moving industry overseas um because you know that's your problem now <laughs> yeah that's on your <laughs> balance sheet yeah oh look we can all blame china now because china's the worst emitter oh i wonder why that might be mm, i wonder mm. where most of its industry is coming from mm. <laughs> yeah so um so so climate policy is is pretty fucked right um especially from even just the conservative standpoint right it's fucked we know it's fucked because they're just not really doing anything um but even the, the sort of the liberal slash centrist way of, of climate policy is is just fucking the exact same. Yeah. But with more like words put in the in the flavor text. Let's That's have it. another meeting and another agreement with more yeah. adjectives this time. Yeah, let's let's green the military. You know, that's oh that's gonna do such a good job. God. Yeah. Yeah. That that's up there and, with like um what was it? Um the, the the queering of drone warfare or something. Amazing. Yeah, we're gonna make sure all the drones have rainbow flags on. Uh, so uh you know, when we kill Afghan children then uh you know, at least they'll know that that their life went to a greater cause. Uh so yeah, um fuck liberals. Their climate policy is completely fucking useless. Even the Green Party in the UK. I'm I'm fucking calling you out, Caroline oh, Lucas. Yes. Your anti your anti nuclear policy is fucking absurd and is not gonna help anyone because all you're doing with your fucking one hundred percent renewables shit is forcing more heavy industry into fucking developing countries who you're then going to blame in 10 years time why you haven't fucking reduced your emissions at all stop being a dick caroline i'm calling you out fuck green liberals and fuck green lifestyle liberals especially yes yeah exactly oh i don't understand why everyone can't just you know get solar panels just just drive a prius jesus <laughs> It's now a bad time to mention the fact that the government cancelled the uh, the payback scheme for uh, solar panels. That was ages ago, was, though, wasn't it? That was like twenty six. Yeah, it was. That was a few years ago now. Yeah, uh, but it's just like, mm, yeah, that 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 was actually a pretty good policy. Uh, yeah, didn't fucking last though, uh, because we got to keep subsidising the fossil fuel industry heavily. Uh, so, um, this this drunken rant has been brought to you by the fact that liberals don't really give a shit about the environment. They might think they do, and they might even have some good comments and critiques of the way environmental policies are handled like globally. They, they may well do. But for the most part, a lot of their policies stem from the fact that they can't possibly be to blame because they're rich. That, that, that's effectively it. Like, oh, no, we, we can't be doing bad because we're a wealthy country. We only do good things. Like not counting all of the rubbish that we ship to other countries in the national statistics for how much rubbish we produce so that we don't get fined by the European Union. Trash mafia. Pol yeah, bring it back. Yes, Polish trash mafia. Kurwa. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, so what does this mean for uh, society at large? Well, speaking personally... Um, I, I suspect that because a lot of, a lot of what, and we've, we've talked about this before 
outside of the podcast mgc like a lot of the um the warming that we're going to see has already been locked in because there's a time lag between emissions and warming yeah uh, which which means there's a time lag between emissions and like cause and effect basically yes. um so so all of these countries saying oh you know we're going to change our policies um at the next meeting at uh, the next summit for the paris agreement because the paris agreement is designed to have a summit every five years i think it is huh. uh so we are due one uh where countries refine their targets and, and sort of say oh no we're going to be even harder on ourselves this year um you know wait with bated breath as to see what that is but uh it, it means that a lot of what's going to happen has already been locked in and there's no way to really avoid it and if we're already well locked in to 1.5 degrees of warming where things already start to get pretty fucking noticeably shitty then personally i don't think revolution is an option i think it's an i, I just think it's an inevitability yeah. it's gonna fucking it's, happen it's coming like yeah it's it's not like oh if it happens it's going to be when it happens because there's no other alternative the, um, the the only other alternative is we all just like you know what fair enough the capitalism capitalists have our best interests at heart um so we're all just gonna die for them sacrifice ourselves to the line um so they can go and live on mars maybe praise be to um, the line yeah right so uh so this is this is my take on it as as my 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 humble take on this whole situation as a now graduate of of this frankly horrifying science um we are proper fucked uh unless unless we just have a revolution like like tomorrow would be good uh yeah oh, i'm ready to go right fucking now <laughs> so spectra um yes given that um you mentioned that other uh, billionaires are just going to escape their uh mea culpa and uh go to mars um yeah yeah i mean you know things are fucked when you go to a planet with no atmosphere or, or near enough no atmosphere and you'd have to fucking terraform you know is now the time for us to start researching anti-billionaire rocket missiles yes yeah i think that's yeah, it a is. useful uh um use of our time yeah yeah it really is um and you know i was actually reading something earlier uh which i thought was quite profound um and i don't expect elon musk really uh really pays any attention to this not that he builds his rockets but you know no uh not not that he not that he's done anything smart his... in his entire life yeah no not not that his engineers would probably actually go through with something like this but uh you know um the saturn that not the saturn five yeah the saturn five rockets um had uh, the Saturn V rockets and the and the shuttle missions had um, detonation cord built into the side of the cowling of the fuel tanks, um, mm. uh, uh, purely for self detonation. Right, like that, that the only reason they exist, those cords existed, was so that uh, they could self destruct. So if like if the rocket was clearly going to land on a bunch of people uh, during liftoff or whatever. Um, because of a malfunction, someone in the control room could press a big button and detonate the uh, detonate the det cord, and it would basically rip the rocket apart before it could could hit people. Um, in fact, during the Columbia mission, when the rocket uh, was this 2003? breaks up, 
I think so, yeah. Mm. Uh, after the rocket breaks up, you can see the two ro solid fuel boosters uh, explode a few seconds after. Yeah. And that's because uh, one of the control members basically hit the thing for self-detonation self because they had no way of controlling them. Mm. So it's just like, oh, we want to make sure they don't kill anyone. So, um, so assuming that uh, SpaceX has the uh, the foresight to use that core, <laughs> um, there's, nice there's probably yeah yeah there's 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 probably a way of uh, jury rigging something to detonate that. <laughs> just, just just throwing that out there. Just, um, just traipse it out the 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 door. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, all yeah, right, just enjoy Mars. We'll we'll sit here yeah, and burn. Bye. We've just sit next to this big red button that's you know, <laughs> ominously painted self-destruct for no reason. It's fucking Acme or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. Now is the time to invest in an anti-rocket technology. Uh, well, good thing this podcast is funded by um, Iran and the Quds Force, <laughs> uh, the Jesus. Revolutionary Armed Guard for uh, the Iranian Revolution. Uh, thank you, is this brothers. Just the episode, is this the episode that just gets us taken off? Like, the internet <laughs> like, 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 this episode is just the episode that, like, all of our podcasts disappear. There's no back catalogue, and both of us disappear for six months with no explanation. Yeah, this is this is this is going to be used as evidence in a secret court of like, see, we told you Antifa was being funded by foreign powers. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Iran did it. Yeah. You know, Iran the Islamists. Great. Now we've got even. We've now now we've got even more reason to attack them. Oh, fucking hell. Um, so, like, uh, when I say revolution is not just necessary but it's going to probably be inevitable i do mean that because i i really don't think there's a way of dealing with this problem other than like oh actually shit's real fucked because even assuming that the status quo like manages to cling on to things in the way that they have been for the last god knows however many years however many false alarms if, we've had and close yeah, even calls. even if they manage that like the number of people, especially poorer people in the Middle East, who are going to be displaced because of droughts, famine, and warfare as a result of that. The number of people in even developed countries who are going to start suffering under the fact that, you know, they can't access food properly. They don't have access to infrastructure that was once vital because it's all disappeared under, like, floodwaters or, you know, all this other shit. The amount of people this is going to affect especially in the poorer south like the poorer global south it's going to be fucking hard to ignore even for like global capital so i really think it's inevitable i think it's a matter of when but i would rather it be like initiated through response uh and like foreknowledge than out of like oh well we'd better do something now because the alarm that says we're all fucked has gone off <laughs> It is now too late to do anything. Yeah. The time is, you know, midnight. We oh oh shit, we should have done something about this ten minutes ago, huh? Yeah. So uh yeah, green Marxism. It's a good thing. We should be doing it more. Yeah. So I'm very glad you uh mentioned that Spectra. Uh and also yeah, mentioned the Green Party and how insufficient they are, uh, through electoral yes. means. So I'm gonna go yeah. grab another beer, just one second. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm back. Welcome. Welcome back. Sorry about that. 
everyone. You're quite all right, my friend. So, um, I realised for this episode I hadn't done much, so I thought I'd try and compliment um, this wonderful research and um, six years of uh, academic uh, research and discipline. It's, it's no hard feelings though. Like, right, you're you're the law guy, and I'm I'm the enviro science guy. So, um, you know, you're you're the guy that tells me what the procedure is to do once we're fucked, and I'm the guy that tells you when we're fucked. Right. Yes. Mine's the yeah the notoriously quick acting legal system. Lightning fast. Yeah. Just ready to respond at any moment. Um. Hold for applause. <laughs> Hold for laughter. Yeah. Um. Actually, speaking of Caroline Lucas, do you know she got um she got uh like in deep shit because did you hear about this? No. She basically took. I don't think I have. What was effectively a bribe to um oh good tore someone um around the House of Commons during a uh, closed hour. Oh for fucks. And it wasn't even like a noticeable bribe. It was two hundred quid. She fucking makes that in a couple of hours. Yeah. What the fuck? Ah, oh. green liberals can fucking just know, right? Look, I I know your heart's in the right place, but you're just fucking wrong, okay? And stop it with the anti-nuclear shit, please. That's so fucking dumb. Any sort of. I I I know that nuclear mining is hard and difficult and causes problems. But if it was a fucking nationalized institution, it would be less of an issue, wouldn't it? Oh, sorry. Uh, not even two hundred quid. Hundred and fifty quid. <laughs> Fuck off. I charged that to someone who asked for a fucking quote for a graphic design. <laughs> Imagine, you like drew a piece. And the other, you're like, on, on one side of the world, you draw um, a graphics design, and the other side of the world, a member of parliament tours you around the House of Commons. And that's considered a bribe. Fuck me. Oh my God. Jesus. <laughs> I had to work for like 11, 12 years to get my skills up to a point where I could fucking charge someone 150 for a design. And she just goes, well, here's the seats. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you can yeah, sit in them. The go on, sit on it. Go, go, go yeah, on. go for Take it. A little, yeah. Squeeze a little fart out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> what gave it away? It's because it's what we all do. It's projection. It's what we all do. Absolutely. We find a nice comfy seat and we spread our cheeks. This is how I get off. <laughs> thinking I could fart in any of those seats. And when they sleep, I could give them pink eye. Conjunctivitis. <laughs> oh that's praxis right there. Giving the entire parliamentary sitting conjunctivitis by farting on all of the seats. <laughs> praxis of the week. <laughs> We're bringing it back, baby. Oh my fucking god! Deary me. Right, sorry. Go on, please. Uh, yeah. So there, um, there, there, there's. I see a lot of leftists being. Uh, attracted to uh, green politics and green parties mm. uh, these sort yeah. of days um, in response to you know, Extinction Rebellion into a lot more awareness as to just how fucked we are yeah we um, yeah, we start to see some of our comrades start or at least comrades to be 
slip over into the green camp rather than the solely red camp, or at least strongly red camp. Now, yeah, I, mm. I think I, I just want to add here very quickly. Sorry, um, I, I think there's also a, a tendency for people who would consider themselves centrist but disillusioned with um, centrist politics mm. in general to drift towards the uh, liberal sort of green movements, especially in Western countries. Um, as I have known personally, people who who hold really quite reactionary views will tend to drift towards green policies because they're aware that the environment is an important issue, but they don't really have any context with which to view it. Yes, that's exactly it. There's um, It seems to be above politics in a lot of ways. Mm. That it's somehow detached from other issues. It's like, well, you know what, I... I I have my certain views about immigration, my certain views about labor uh, relations, uh, working wage, etc., economic situation, but we have to do more to save the planet. That's a lot of, yeah, it's a big pull um, mm, in and of yeah. itself, especially of a particular sort of you know, lib light, social lib um, mm. uh, losers who uh, don't know what's going on, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like to pretend that they know what's going on. Um, We're calling you out, losers. Yeah, you losers. All of you unnamed losers. Um, actually, work with quite a lot of them. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so do I. Don't worry. <laughs> but my thought process in looking at this is, can we synthesize Marxian uh, concepts and epistemology into this you know, green... Uh, politics and turns out it is quite possible and there's there's an entire branch uh, dedicated to it uh, just to name a few figures the former head of the green party in the usa uh considered himself an eco-socialist as he would say um he had some really very very dodgy takes like um uh, okay going into psychoanalysis um fuck me up fam yep uh, he was uh, Trotskyist for most of his life. Oh, good. Yeah, cringe. Fuck Trots. <laughs> You're bringing that back. But um, a lot of um, what he was uh, discussing and also incorporated from uh, Lenin, from Russian philosophers, uh, post-Stalin, looking more at like um, beyond human-to-human capital relations... And looking to more like yep. a world philosophy. Um, yeah, him, uh, Joel Koval. So there, there's a big debate between... Oh, fuck, hang on, I've got to find the name again. Got to find the name. Please keep all of this in. Got to find the name. Foster. Foster. There you go. That's the guy. That's the guy's name. Foster. There's the intro. Was he the head of the Green Party? Fuck. 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 Yes, David Foster. That's the guy. That's the guy. Please tell me that's the guy. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you? Why do you have to be so mean? Tim Ruckle. My Grundle. Tim Ruckle. Tim Ruckle. Uh, what? What's his fucking name again? Foster. Fuck. Okay, no, this was green then. 
Yes. Okay. Good. 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 Sorry. 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 Okay. So, um, yeah, Joel Colville, uh, and uh, Foster. Uh, I can't remember his fucking name. His first name. That's fine. Foster. Uh, Green Socialism. You'll find him. Um, they improved upon the work of you know, dialectical materialism and formulated this idea of um, not just human-human uh, relations and dialectical materialism, but also human-nature dialectical materialism. Uh, the, the main debate is, is quite like ooh, quite dry, to be honest, very uh, academic, um, because uh, one side of this argument called Moore uh, said that you can't separate humans uh, from nature, you're, you're sort of creating a dualism where humans are somehow detached from nature and ex exogenous from them, uh, from nature. Uh, it's very boring. Um, it, but the, the main issue here is, right, it doesn't matter if it's humans in nature or humans versus nature. Um, the ultimate point of this way of thinking is to not only consider um, what a human, uh, you know, worker and boss relations can have, and you know the, the the consistent contradictions and conflicts they come into, um, but also um, how productive forces can have a contradictory and conflicting relationship with the environment, which is inevitable, right? This is mm. what I mean. What you've just been talking about, and yeah, basically, yeah, and the the idea that um, Marxism alone, like you know, previous historical examples, you look at like the USSR. Um, Although they can make some great strides in progressive fields such as ecology, ultimately their production model is still uh, in direct combatants with nature and the ecological yeah. sphere in which it inhabits. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about developing the economy in, in any sense is, uh, this is actually something I wanted to touch on. Mm. Um, so um, we measure, um, currently at least, we measure economic success, success on a scale of GDP, yeah is gross domestic product um and the easiest way of squaring that is to say that gdp is roughly equivalent to the amount of energy expent so um the more energy that a country or or nation uses um generally the higher their gdp whether that's gdp per per capita or not is slightly different. <laughs> uh, so, yeah yeah exactly so generally the more energy you use the higher your gdp um because you're producing goods and services with energy be that you know financial services be it technical services or be it industrial services they all require energy hmm. um so there has been some debate over the fact that um a a reduction in emissions would effectively require a you know, by um by proxy would require a shrinking of the economy and this is something that um personally i feel uh that more liberal and centrist politicians are very reluctant to acknowledge because they don't want the they don't like the idea of yeah. shrinking the economy in any sense so they yeah. would much rather perpetuate its growth um while attempting to uh improve their environmental like uh standards or their sort of their their global standing in the environmental uh worldview uh, global worldview global stage yeah. um which often as i've already stated means moving industry and services overseas so that we have 
less energy intensive ones, but still GDP, uh, high GDP producing ones. Yeah. Like the financial sector, like the uh, the market, like the the you know the service sector and things like that, which yes. are weirdly huge aspects of uh, European and American society. You know, mm-hmm. it's weird that that's the case. Yes. Um, and this, despite that, they're still some of the biggest polluters <laughs> as well. Yes. Even with yeah, all this they considered, are. they're still like, yeah. well, we can do a bit of fracking. Go on. Get a bit go of gas. On. Go on. Go treat on, yourself. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Blackpool's disappeared into a fucking sinkhole. Oh, well, that's actually not the worst thing. I know. I'm actually really glad you um, mentioned this uh, dichotomy of or this entanglement between uh, growth and development, because this is um, actually... I should should hope so. I've been studying it for fucking six years. Yeah, but um, this is actually uh, a premise which uh, green Marxists reject. Uh, They Mm. argue that the idea of um, technological development and intellectual development... Um, should not be uh, tied up with uh, economic growth. Yeah. Um, they would argue that you know, growth is not necessary. Uh, sustainability is certainly um, how yeah. long it can be sustained. Um, and any uh, damaging um, aspects of a society need to be compensated for. Um, but they would argue that as um, we are liberated from uh, exploitative productive forces, we then have more time to look at intellectual development. Um, And with this technological development, this new technologies, which will uh, undoubtedly make our society more efficient, more sustainable, and we can start to uh, push the line a bit more, make the line go up a bit more, so to speak. Um, There then comes this um, previous archaic need to, uh, you know, have exclusive rights to the exploitation of this technological development. Mm. And they would argue that in order to uh, make the dialectic totally uh, contradiction-free, all uh, technological advancements and technologies uh, should be held uh, in common. So nothing uh, is in ownership. Everything is held in common. And rather than uh, being, oh, yeah, just free to use it whenever, you know, it's, it still has a, a value. And that value is um, necessity. And the necessity will be decided upon um, by the society. So do you need access to this technology to uh, sustain what you're doing right now? Okay, yes. Then you have access to that technology. Mm. Um, And they argue that this is um, would be potentially more sustainable. Um, Where it starts to get a bit more um, sort of, you know, thought slime, uh, psychedelic should be legalized territory. (laughs) Damn it, you watched that video as well. I did, yes. Well, it's also, no, it's also a valid point, but it's also like we, we have to unthink and unknow certain things. Yeah. Uh, is then we start to look at um, how do we um, decolonize uh, as well as greenify our society under a Marxist system. Mm. And one uh, scholar that I know very well, uh, her name is uh, Yulia Yurchenko. Uh, she is um, a Marxist uh, scholar for uh, the University of Greenwich. Uh, she is a Ukrainian. She has experienced um, not only USSR life, obviously post-Stalin, um, but she's also experienced um, all uh, social uh, revolutions, quote-unquote, inside of Ukraine uh, as a Ukrainian woman. And she has quite a lot to say about uh, the Soviet interpretation of Marxism. But her development on green Marxism is that um, we need to 
adopt what's called uh, no-spheric uh, thinking, uh, which is to, rather than uh, adopt a positivist Western uh, fetishization of um, numbers and quantifiable data of number, mm. you know, big number go up more equal good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we need to start to recognize multiple epistemologies which have been forgotten or intentionally destroyed by colonization. Right. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Does that make sense? And this, a lot of these um, epistemologies, this 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 approach to the world, uh, doesn't have a number system, right? Um, but it also doesn't have um, an idea of forward or progression. It's much more about uh, p potentially contradictions and zigzagging and uh, reverting back in some ways, um, yeah. which would be very compatible with dialectical materialism. Not so much with um, positivist science, mind you. Mm. Um, and so I found that really um, intriguing. Um, the niceties of it are still quite um, to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get you. It's yeah. hard to grapple, certainly. Um, but it's also, um, I think, a worthwhile exercise as well to detach uh, our ideas of societal development and technological development away from uh, positivism and this uh, need to... Uh, be more productive and um yeah more generative of um products uh, because under this current dialectic that would mean uh, environmental destruction and ecocide i think there's a lot to be said there about um the the general attitude is that you know economic growth is inevitable and it's not just sort of desirable but it, it is always going to happen mm. it's the it's the kind of um uh, capitalist realism of the environmental world right yeah. it, it's like you know it's it's going to happen and it should happen and therefore it's desirable regardless of whether or not it has any ill side effects um and i think that the getting past that fact is the the bit that people seem to have the or potential comrades seem to have the hardest time dealing with if you sort of explain to them look at, at some point we have to like stop growing because we don't have the technology to deal with this growth yeah exactly and the allocation uh, we, of resources yeah exactly necessary. i mean we, we can we, it's, that's not to say that we don't have the technology right now to deal with climate change. We certainly do. But we don't have the technology to deal with perpetual infinite growth, which is just not a thing that's possible. Yeah, exactly. So it, I, that, that seems to be the biggest problem. Is You do tend to see a lot of conservatives go, oh, well, you just want to crash the economy and this and that for, for whatever weird reason um, when it comes to discussions about environmentalism. Um, it's not that people... It's not that, like green marxists or, uh, or or green anti-capitalists want to do that it's that we're aware that perpetually growing the economy is unsustainable and it being unsustainable means that it will end eventually and when it ends eventually it will take a lot of people with it who have not deserved anything near that mm. you know like a lot of this infinite growth ex can only happen because we exploit the poorest among society and you know we we don't want that so maybe don't 
do that, but that means no infinite growth, which means no perpetual growth, which means a slow a slowed down economy. And a lot of people sort of take that as like, oh no, you you can't you can't interfere. do that. That's not allowed. You, you, yeah, you you the have to have the, the line go hand. up forever. Yeah, you have to have the line go up forever because that's that's just what I've been conditioned to believe. Um, so I, I don't know. Mm. It's 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 I'm really, that I find yeah. is it. I was going to say that, that that I find is a really weird aspect. A lot of people will sort of go get re- really shaken by the fact that um, that's effectively what we're going to have to do. We are going to have to reduce growth to an extent and people just don't like that idea. But the only, the only alternatives are accept growth is inevitable and then just, you know, face total fucking planetary annihilation or uh, just descend into eco-fascism. You know, like those are the only other two options. So I'm really glad you mentioned uh, this marketing of green solutions under growth as well, because this is the trap that a lot of green electoral parties uh, in Europe, especially. um, And also the Labour Party has been guilty of as well under Jeremy Corbyn. Um, They try to market uh, environmental politics and Green New Deal's as well this is a great way to get employment figures up this is a great yeah. way to get people into work um yeah. this is a great opportunity really be about for, that. yeah and it's a great opportunity for investors as well mm. um hey would you like to get on the ground floor of this new infrastructure project it's totally green hey hey would you like to hear a great a great drunken anecdote about drunken. carbon capped technology oh I bet you i bet you would i certainly I bet would, you would. So carbon capture technology basically takes carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere in what's called uh, CCS, uh, which is carbon capture and storage. Um, It's utilized uh, relatively frequently in newer developments uh, of power stations as a standard. Like you want to try and capture as much carbon as you can from the emissions of of the building and then pump it into the ground or otherwise utilize the carbon in a way uh that keeps it out of the atmosphere right yeah um so one of the ways it was developed a while back was um rather than it being at the tail end of a processing uh system so like a factory or a power plant uh you have a standalone building that just draws carbon dioxide carbon dioxide out of the air and stores it in some form uh, now, a lot of the researchers that were working on this established that there was basically no investment opportunity for this because, you know, people weren't going to pay for something that was never going to pay them back or, or, or earn any dividend, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no point in investing in something if it's not going to make you a profit if you're a capitalist. So uh, so they came up with this paper that sort of said, hey, well, you know, you, you could effectively, in theory, you could capture this carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And since all fuels are just hydrocarbons, generally... Um, Electrolyze it. Yeah, well, well, kind of. You can, you, can, you can make a fuel out of the gas that you capture. Um, you know, this was kind of more of a proof of concept than much else, right? Like, because any, any chemists in the audience or any physicists in the audience that we have will know that, okay, if you're capturing a gas... And then that's that's been emitted from a burnt fuel and you're turning it back into the fuel that's going to take more energy than you're going to get out of the resultant fuel because that's just the way entropy the, the, yeah that's just the way that lo- you know the laws of thermodynamics works yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, fun little anecdote is uh, when they came up with this, like, proof of concept, suddenly they got a lot of investors, um, mostly mostly fossil fuel companies like Shell. Well, hello there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Telling me we can get this, <laughs> the same fuel we've already pumped out twice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they can then use this, even though they know it's not, you know, really going to be a, a, a really viable alternative or anything. They can sort of then use this as, as hey... We're doing a greener thing. We're taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Please ignore the fact that we're turning it back into a fuel and selling it back to you. Just, just, just we're not, just ignore that part, please. <laughs> we're doing a good thing. See, we're this, greenwashing. Yeah, this is what I wanted to, um, this is what I raised with my, um, my friend the other day when, when I uh, message you on Telegram, yeah. When when you when you like buzz me and said help, I need to help winning yeah. an argument. Please help me. Yeah. Well, basically, because he was saying, well, I mean, carbon capture technology is, is expensive right now, but you know, eventually we'll uh, we'll get it due to market dynamics. It'll become a lot less expensive. And I'm like, okay, but who's going to buy it, right? Yeah. Who's going? Exactly. Where, where's the mar- where's the incentive for the market? Yeah. Like, you're a free market there, there, guy. There Come is on. no incentive. Yeah. yeah. Cap- capitalists do not give a shit about the fact that the like world economy is going to tank in 80 years time because the world's fucked because spoiler alert none of them are going to be fucking alive in 80 years they don't care about future proofing anything they just care about like being alive yeah and that's his, it his solution to this would be well the issue right now is that the environment doesn't have a price to it it's it's considered valuable but also worthless Bullshit. Um, yeah. Bullshit. So what if we evaluate it? I call bullshit. That already fucking exists. I did an entire fucking report on that last year. Oh, really? It's a fucking terrible system. It's called Ecosystem Service Evaluation. It's fucking trash. It's so bad. Oh, yeah? Basically, there's a whole set of rules and, and uh, like guides written for how much something is worth. And then you fucking just place that price tag on a piece of land and go oh yeah that land is worth that much in potential ecosystem value therefore you know don't don't destroy it and the ecosystem values have a range of different fucking um a, a range of different criteria uh-huh. they range from like cultural values for the things that people gain uh, by visiting these sites to like physical material values from like what you could gain by by say chopping down a forest or you know leveling out a, a series of hills fucking whatever um to the amount of fresh water that they filter to the amount of like farmland they could support to the amount of pastoral land they could support all of this stuff is completely fucking value like it, it's all this is not a new thing either no. like ecosystem service valuation is quite an old thing now um so tell your friend to go fuck himself <laughs> or herself or their self themselves um, that's just bullshit yeah. well they i think their argument here was um if if damage is done to that environment if you have a valuation then it becomes a disincentive right if okay. you have i see we yeah i see where they're coming from but that's still bullshit okay <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still bullshit because you know you'd have to actually implement like a legal framework in which to say okay you know this is the price tag we're putting on this piece of land if you buy it and then the value decreases then that's you know you have to pay a debt for that yeah you know that that would have to be a legal framework and no government's gonna fucking do that because they want to incentivize growth so well you hear this friend who also listens to this podcast on occasion 
Do they? You've been called out. <laughs> oh shit! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be so rude, but fuck <laughs> you. You're wrong. <laughs> I love that. I don't want to be so rude, but fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> look, I'm a few beers in now. I don't care. Ecosystem, listen, friend of MJC, who I don't know. Like, ecosystem service valuation is a thing that has existed for a long time. It's been a reason that, like, it's it's been a method of evaluating the ecosystem service like of any given amount of land or even any given like system to establish whether or not it's worth saving or building on and every example that i've studied <laughs> studied has resulted in ah fuck it let's just build over it because the economic value is way more valuable than the long-term ecosystem service value and if you're going to build a system that says oh well you can't like let this value drop down below a certain level or, you know, will incur fines. No, no government's going like... to do that because they want to incentivize growth because that's their entire thing. It's they want like to keep pollution, the economy chugging along. It's more like pollution and shit. damage. And, and yes. Such, yeah. oh. you, Sorry. You, you tell him. You tell him, Spectra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to meet this friend in like 10 years' time and they're just going to hold this grudge against me forever. He's like, well, I'm not... <laughs> remember that time you said fuck you remember that you. time on a podcast yeah well actually no by that time uh, everyone Podcasts will be under won't uh, be re- no everyone will be underwater yeah. so we'll be like yeah my god what was this I said to my mum yesterday like she was sort of saying what do you think you'll do with your future and I sort of said well you know I, I don't know I mean assuming I'm live by 2014 she was like 2040 that's not that far away and I was like yeah I know but I'm being realistic so <laughs> Very realistic there. Oh god. Fucking hell. Where were we? Um green parties and this cynical uh signalling to entrepreneurs. Yeah. Tech freaks. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There's a whole bunch of that and um I don't know, how can we avoid that tendency? Um, overthrow capitalism <laughs> leaps immediately to mind <laughs> it's, but don't run before you can walk I guess so How, well what can we do now to um, greenify our analysis um, to, to greenify our analysis or to greenify like uh, ha- how things are going in general yeah well to just sort of greenify our worldview because I think we, we do have a tendency especially um, the, the tankies amongst us <laughs> that's the sound of a, of a tank warming up okay right, okay tankies okay. if you're glad, if, if you're listening I'm glad that you explained that yeah if you're listening all right um, USSR, in terms of environmental impact, not very woke. Bad. Not very woke yeah, bay. Pretty, okay? pretty bad. Yes, they did create the first agency, I think, for ecology. Um, however, that was all in service of uh, an extremely destructive uh, production model, naturally. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we can't emulate that again. We can't have USSR 2 electric boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> so we need to greenify. As cool as that would be. Yeah. Yeah. As aesthetically pleasing as that would be, I'm sorry, you're going to have to rev down your T-72 tanks. 
But that's some of a tank cooling down. I get it now. Yeah. Right, I get it. Yeah. Hang on, is that what a tank sounds like? I think that's what a tank sounds like. I think I did a pretty good job there. Because <laughs> it, 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 for me, I don't think it just sounds like a... You know? I think there must be some sort of injection fuel, which is like, hey, you got to send coolant into the engine. So but it's you like probably, probably have a higher RPM than do, 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 right. Well, it sounds like a moped. No, right? but it, it, it reaches such a it reaches such a high RPM that it becomes like that weird audio illusion where it just sounds like a few do 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 do. But it's actually oh, like, like when you look at a, fifty when you look million at a tire on a passing car, yeah. and it looks like it's going backwards. Yes, yeah. exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. I like right, how cool. how abstract this is. <laughs> we went from like. Oh, you know, it's kind of like an audio <laughs> illusion. Oh, you mean like an optical illusion? Yes, but for your ears. Yes, but like the optical illusion is the tire going backwards. Yes, like that, but then for your ears. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I wish I knew. I think there's a lot to be said for... Um, like green anti-capitalist groups. They, they tend to do a lot of good, but the trouble well, who, is they're who, very sm- Who could that be? Could you give some Well, names? the Green Anti-Capitalist Front in the UK is the only one that I can like immediately think of. But like the trouble is that the group's Who could that not small. be? Who could that not be, Spectra? Who could that not be? Yeah. Uh, the Green Party is, well, is not one. a Green Anti-Capitalist Front because they effectively still want to support capitalism, even though they're sort of pressed for things like, oh, you know, the four-day work week is like, yeah, okay, sure, but, you know, that's that that was already the compromise, so like, the actual goal should be a lot better than that. But who else? Uh, just, just, uh, ER? ER? Do you want me to spell it out? Fucking hell, Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. Oh, right, okay, yeah, sorry. That's okay. just like, what, the Queen? I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> That's right, yes. What does it stand yeah, for ER. again? Emer- Emeritus Regis or something. Something like that, yeah. Some bullshit that means nothing now. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, not Extinction Rebellion. Um, like, that's not to say that Extinction Rebellion as a group um, are entirely bad. I mean, they are entirely bad. Um, <laughs> so forget, forget yeah, entirely what I just, what I just said. said. Yeah. But... Um, the, I think this is like the eternal problem with environmental uh, activism, right? Is that someone will always have a bigger platform than you because their message is slightly more palatable, even if it's seen as extreme in the public media. So like a lot of the Extinction Rebellion events were seen seen as quite extreme when really what they were doing is just like holding up traffic. Like yeah. that's not that extreme, really. You know, I mean, like the fucking... Some of the, the German groups I saw earlier, I think it was only a couple of days ago, uh, a German group had fucking, like, blockaded a shell refinery in Germany. It's like, no, fuck you. We, you know, yeah. That's the kind of shit we should be doing. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like, blockade ports, airports, and fucking refineries. Boom, there you go. Yeah, in the Problem Netherlands... fucking solved. In the Netherlands, there was, there was a coal refinery, which was, um, which was uh, like, broken into, and people got into the pipes of it. And just like, we're not moving. Amazing. Yeah amazing that's great that's some good shit but then yeah we should do that all over yeah Coordinated. i don't know i think this is this is the part where i sort of say that you know i i have been personally struggling with like weird mood swings and depression for the last like god knows how many months because like 
I want to believe that all of these things are possible, but at the same time, I really don't think that most people have the like framework mm. and analysis from which to build a meaningful thing, uh, a, a meaningful like um, understanding of, of of how bad the situation is. Like some people are definitely there. Don't get me wrong, um, <laughs> but uh, and those people are based as fuck. Uh, but yeah, there are other things as well. It's just like oh well you know i think the green party have some ideas it's like no they don't they don't have any ideas yeah like they have precisely zero ideas <laughs> do not do not support the green party got those ideas like, pump them with new ideas <laughs> yeah like a lot of these ideas are, are really fucking facile and dumb and and wouldn't really do much in the like the grander the global economy in which we inhabit right yeah yeah I, I mean, a lot of these ideas placate to the idea that there is going to be economic growth perpetually and yeah that is that is an idea that has to die with capitalism because it's really not sustainable like that's not to say that we can't grow um like well this this, this sort of falls into a bigger problem as well where we're sort of stuck in this mindset of measuring human progress by GDP, which is a really fucking stupid thing because it's just like, how many goods do you produce? That's how good you are. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, like just human health is probably a better index of like mm. of, of progress. Right. And, and we don't tend to do that. We just kind of assume that GDP X is this big proxy for all of it. And there's this sort of detachment that, uh, it, like men mental detachment that sort of says well you know if gdp is down then um therefore like all all like all benefit to the society in which that gdp belongs is null and void but the, the reality is that well a lot of that gdp gets funneled upwards because that's the way capital works so yeah. if if you you know if if you're not focusing on gdp then suddenly everyone can be a lot happier because they can actually get an even distribution of goods because you're no longer measuring a number which only benefits some of the wealthiest people in the country or in the you know on the planet you know it's there, there needs to be such a dramatic shift in focus from um economic development to just developing sustainably that it, it's really insane like when i said earlier that i don't think revolution is um like strictly necessary but it's inevitable anyway because of the way things are going i do think it's inevitable but the thing that, that the downside to that is i don't think it's inevitable all at once i think it's going to happen sporadically throughout the world in different waves in different locations because different parts of the world are going to feel the effects of all of this at different times we've already established that the global poor will feel the brunt of it first followed by um, some of the the most segregated societies economically so we're looking at like uh, the western world and some of the more developed quote-unquote developed countries where there is a huge growing disparity in wealth uh, brazil um, yeah exactly right so we're going to see it in those places first and then it's going to peter up to um, like countries like America and the UK and France and Germany and Canada and all these other countries, right? Yeah. So as, as much as I think it's inevitable, I think the thing that concerns me is the fact that it's going to be inevitable in different waves and 
that's no good ideally we surely want it to happen like all at once and i that's the part of me that worries that maybe it's never gonna happen i i really hope that that's not the case because it needs to happen because if it doesn't then we're all fucked we're all very right? very deep shit yeah yeah like forget shit creek without a paddle you're in fucking shit atlantic ocean with no sails no paddles no outboard motor fucking nothing and the shit coast guard aren't gonna come and help you and also your arms are made of shit yeah exactly and that's the dissolving right? <laughs> into the shit <laughs> i i i hope through like every breath that revolution fucking just happens sooner rather than later because if it doesn't then we are all fucked um and the best way to build a revolution is to just fucking talk to people, right? Like, yeah, you have more in common with your next door neighbor than you do with the person who owns the company you work for. And the same goes for them. Yeah. And, you know, you have more in common with someone from a completely fucking different country with a completely different economic background than you do with the person who owns the company you work for. Damn right. So fucking i i don't know man i'm mentally pretty fucking fatigued but uh, jesus something needs to something something has to give because if it doesn't well then we're fucked what a what a cheery note to end on but uh, well, one last thing um that i think yeah you you did mention it earlier um, but it's it's either going to be a, a green rev a green socialist revolution or it's going to be eco fascism. Yeah, and that is the very last thing you want, because if you think that regular fascism is any better, <laughs> yeah. imagine yeah. annoying yeah. vegan fascists. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, eco fascism can take so many different forms, right? And I think the one that we're probably going to see most notably rise up in in Europe is a perpetuation of the like anti-immigrant yeah they're the problem because they're outbreeding us kind yeah. of white re- you know white genocide great replacement fucking yeah it's going to be more of that shit but, but like but... A- it, like <laughs> put through the lens and framework of oh actually we're environmentally friendly because you know we're not doing the harm we're not breeding as as much yeah. but you know that's also somehow a problem and we have to get but the also right back up also we need to breed more yeah <laughs> but exactly, we're not right? allowed to make any houses so it's, yeah it's, it would be uh ideologically as i'm sure you're aware bankrupted position yeah fascism is a loser ideology and eco-fascism is a loser ideology that is too weak to even know it's a loser ideology yeah. imagine tree hugging losers my god I know, right? Cut Several shit. levels worse than loser. I like I I really do worry about the preponderance um of that's not the right word. I do, <laughs> not the right word at all. I really do worry about like the uh the presence of uh of ecofascism in the UK because I as like as much as I rag on the um the the Green Party in the UK, like they're relatively liberal and they're relatively like they they've got their finger on the buzzer when it comes to like environmental issues even though they often have the wrong solutions to them part of me sort of maybe cynically thinks it wouldn't take much for them to become eco-fascists because they're quite middle of the road and bland as it is yeah, they could and easily sway. Only take like yeah it'd probably only take like one or two small incidents for them to go oh actually fuck immigrants now just yeah. kill them all yeah 
No, no, um, we're the Brit. We're British, which means um, we're we're, yeah. we're better than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, we're greener yeah. than everyone else. We're progressive. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's that's there has to be an emphasis on mutualism because if there isn't, then it just sort of slips back into this individualistic, jingoistic like we're we're better than everyone else. You know, America first, Britain first, kind of fucking bullshit. Um, but I think either way, um. You know, COVID nineteen kind of came out came out of fucking nowhere, right? Like, mm-hmm. people weren't the the general public at least weren't fucking expecting it. Nope. Uh, um, and you know now a lot of the contradictions that uh that you know capitalism just embodies on a day to day basis have become really obvious to to a lot of people. And uh, you know, they, they we're seeing a lot more protests. And part of me. You, you you sort of seen these these memes and jokes and stuff like oh you know you have like there's like a city and there's a wave labeled covid19 and there's another wave labeled like recession and there's an even bigger wave behind both of those called like you know climate change yeah like people are aware of the problem people are aware of what's oh, going no, to no. happen and are, and are aware that like covid19 and the ensuing recession that we're going to find ourselves in is going to be fucking peanuts compared to climate change and how we deal with it and ecological collapse more broadly so people are aware of it but i mentioned to you in like just in 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 message chat like ages ago um that that like climate change can be seen as this hyper object right that it's so bafflingly large and complex and insanely like impactful in everyone's lives in every walk of life that there's no real way for you to comprehend it meaningfully other than just like losing your fucking mind um and i i think that some people are in that position where like they're they're vaguely aware of it but they just don't know the extent to which it's gonna impact everyone and i think as that becomes more obvious I, I do think that um, you know that the contradictions contradictions of capitalism are going to become so apparent that no one can fucking ignore them, and I can only hope that that leads to some you know glorious global revolution. I can dream, but um, I think until then we're in for a, a lot of a hell yeah. a hell of a lot more small scale fights, a hell of a lot more small scale protests and revo- like minor revolutions. You know, if we if people sort of think, oh, you know. Chaz Chop was kind of like a this, this experiment. Yeah, it's not going to be the only one in the next few years. Trust me, there's going to be a lot fucking more. It better because, fucking last better than fucking Chop. Jesus. Because there's going to be a lot more protests that lead to this demand by the local population in whatever area they're happening to have autonomy and to have a say about their own future. Whether or not they really know the context of, of what that's happening in is completely immaterial here because people are aware of how bad the situation is to an extent at least and they're aware that something somewhere is dicking them over mm-hmm. um we just need to get those people to realize oh yeah it's it's this systemic thing that's dicking yeah, us designed all over, to, to exploit yeah yeah but we also, need to act together yeah but also exploit our environment as well it is a destructive death cult it is there yeah. because it's that's a resource that's an untapped resource well, that's mine Right. Yeah. And under a um, slightly, you know, perverse analysis of socialism, we could also fall into that trap. But it would be mm. much more, of course, of like, a, oh, whoopsie. Oh well, never mind. You know. 
Yeah, but it should yeah, always exactly. be on the books. It should always be in your analysis. So, so I mentioned earlier um, when you were talking about that friend of yours that I sort of had a rant about. Yeah. about I mentioned ecosystem services. Uh, all seriousness, you know, in in all seriousness, um, ecosystem services has a lot of criticisms. Um, even though it's a widely used method of establishing what value we should place on um, ecology and the environment at large. Yeah. In in some sense, it provides us an opportunity to sort of gauge how much damage we're doing in a financial aspect by saying, hey, look, you know, sort of like tapping the economy on the shoulder and going, hey, look, you know, this piece of land or, you know, this this system is worth this much to the economy every year mm. in the services it provides. But there, there's also a bastardized version of that, which is just like, you know, this is how much it's worth if we harvest everything. Yeah. You know, like... The, 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 there is that really very real yeah there is this very real valuation and uh, financialization of ecosystems and the environment more broadly which has dogged eco you know, which has dogged economics and uh, environmentalism for years but now it has a name and a face and which is just like hmm you know we probably shouldn't be doing this and it's quite interesting because there are quite a lot of criticisms of ecosystem service valuation and a lot of them without even really realizing it, I think, fall into a Marxist perspective of like, do we really want to put a price tag on the environment when it's effectively priceless? You know, it's it's something that perpetuates life, not just human life, but all life that also sustains human life. Do we really want to put a price tag on that and then say, oh, it's okay if you cut down this many millions of dollars worth of trees because we can still get away with it? You know, no, <laughs> the answer is yeah, no. Yeah, it has to form part of your uh, outlook. You know your 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 worldview. It's no longer about well, does the line go up? It's much more like well, how much harm are we um, doing, and uh, yeah, exploitation are we conducting on ourselves, but also of the environment which we inhabit, and which gives us life. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Oh, what well. a fucking episode, <laughs> Jesus. Well, thank you, thanks for joining us, everyone, or those who are left that haven't. Uh, Stop listening, like, uh, cried. Um, yeah, had a mental breakdown. Or our bots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our bot you. listeners. Yeah, yeah, we love you. We love you. <laughs> we love you all. Um, thank you, Luke, for listening to uh, You Are Not Immune. Uh, this was an episode several weeks in the making and several drinks in the making. And, <coughs> uh, and one and, sneeze or multiple sneezes sneeze, in the making yeah there you go um so yeah uh join a union get involved with your local anti-fascist and anti-capitalist green movements there are some that are around yes um and try and look at environmental issues from a marxist perspective from now on because uh, or not even necessarily a Marxist perspective, but um, you know, try and look at them through a, a socialist perspective, just generally, because a lot of these issues come down to like the exploitation of labor and the exploitation of resources. Yeah, and also the um, commons, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. And uh, private property should be abolished. Uh, just going through all the tropes here. Elon Musk uh, should be thrown down good. the mine. Yeah, Elon Musk should be buried in his own father's emerald mine uh and then have a rocket fired at it up his ass um 
invest in debt core detonation remote charges while you still can uh uh help me out here um, get become friends with uh, the northern irish because i've just seen that they've been throwing petrol bombs at police uh for canceling Based. their uh bonfire uh to commemorate uh, the end of internment um once again we stand yep uncritical support yeah i don't even give a shit what <laughs> just... they're doing <laughs> yeah yeah i don't care it's better than what we're doing yeah uh, an enemy of the police is a friend in indies <laughs> that D's was nuts. that was struggled that was labored there it is jesus these nuts uh Got it. yeah and uh fuck keir starmer fuck absolutely oh he's going down the mine too <laughs> i'm gonna debt charge his ass Oh, God. Thank you for listening to You Are Not Immune. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, Yanni underscore pod. Um, that's the only place you can follow us, yeah. in fact. Or you can follow us on Spotify, yeah. which is probably where you're at right now. Oh, there now. you go. Yeah. yeah. I've stopped updating the SoundCloud because it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't follow us at our SoundCloud. Yeah. you're. It, s- it's not updated. You're about eight episodes behind now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, uh, just remember that uh, if a friend of yours tells you that we should have means testing for landscapes, uh, tell them to go fuck themselves and they're an idiot. Yes, but also, uh, no disrespect, but fuck yourself. (laughs) As you would put it. (laughs) I don't don't want to be rude, but go fuck yourself. Uh, you are a lad to drop the captain. Uh.